Hello all. Hi, thank you for joining me on uh, Speaking About Speaking. Apologies for the very slight late start there, but I got a bit thrown and, and forgot to click the button. But we're here now. So lovely, lovely to see you. Thank you for being here. I'm about to bring up my guest for today. Uh, this is Patrick Melville, who is an expert motivational speaker with a history in marketing. Uh, in 2017, Patrick was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, but he's currently well and looks fabulous, I have to say. Uh, he is regularly asked to speak about his experiences with mental health and resilience, and he also uses his experience to help companies and individuals with their marketing as well as their mental health. So please uh, welcome uh, alongside me to talk about all things speaking, Patrick Melville. Thank you for being here, Patrick. Great to see you. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thanks for the invitation to join. No problem. No problem. So let's start with the uh, the, the big question is, is for me, having been had a, a cancer diagnosis when I was only 28 and knowing how that feels, I'd love to know, because I, I think it's, it had a, a huge effect on me, obviously, but I think it's really given me the impetus to go out and talk to people and and, and tell them that story and share that experience. Has it helped you as a speaker to, to sort of, to get that message across to people? And how, how do you start those kind of conversations? Well, firstly, thank you so much again for the opportunity. Um, I know uh, there's only irony that we're trying to speak and I hope that the technology is helping. You'll tell me, won't you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I can, yeah, I can hear you fine. All good. So, yeah, I mean, what we're talking about is the power of sharing. And um, my passion is, has come from being in a situation where I, even from the first start of my pain, I had to find ways to share. Sometimes I didn't know what the words were. And then, of course, that kicked in my sort of my weakness, my stigmas. And I think the sharing thing has really been a stronger uh, sort of uh, skill, but also a passion for me. The fact that sharing is about understanding yourself and not letting your mind taking, taking, deciding. That's one of the key things. Our mind can tell us not to say things or can give us an answer which doesn't make sense. So sharing, just sharing is such an interesting but special tool. It's a real skill. Um, like at school, we learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we are speaking in, uh, well, well, Cancer Awareness Week, I think it is, or uh, World Cancer Day was on Saturday. Mm. And as you say, there's such a stigma still attached to a cancer diagnosis. And it's yeah. so important for, for, for people to be able to open up and share these stories because you know the, the statistics now I think is it's 50% of the population will at some at some point deal with a cancer diagnosis of, of some kind. Mm. So were you speaking before your diagnosis or is this something you've come to because of of the diagnosis? It's a very good question. So uh, I'll have to be annoying and answer a bit of yes to both because the the point was actually I was giving workshops. I was taking my accreditation in marketing and giving insights to how to market smarter. And I had my own business. And when I was diagnosed, I had to stop everything. 
literally I had to stop everything and my I lost my business uh, because I had to self-care I had to find ways to help myself and help my family etc amazingly in, in in a very short piece of the sort of words I can say that two years later I was given the, the, the amazing news that I was I was in remission and then I found sharing was a really important way, a learning tool. It's a classic thing as, as a very soft tool. You know, we're always learning. I think the moment that we think we're not learning, then we've got a bigger problem. And I've learned how to share, but it's also the style. I'm a mental health first aid England instructor. So what that means is that I train people to be a mental health first aider, like we've got physical first aiders. And there are techniques which I never learned. I mean, if I can ask you, Jackie, were, were you ever taught how to speak at school when you were under 18? No, no, not, not formally. No, certainly not. We, we had debating societies was about the, the, no. the closest we got. Exactly. All these things. I mean, I think the only thing we were taught was reading and um, writing. But the forms of speaking and listening our communication skills that are vital to our role in, in societies, in work, personal. And it's an interesting way to know, you know, we're evolving all the time and we're learning all the time. We're building our wisdom. So the, it's, it's your classic, I've only got one path in my life, you know, going down one road. I can't look back and see what I would have learned had I not, but I do take that as a positive which is really important if you have your own business, if you have your own trauma, to be positive. And I found positivity in sharing and speaking. Yeah, well, I I understand that, absolutely. Um, for me, I think it took me about eight years, really, <laughs> after my diagnosis. I kind of hid myself in a, you know, in a kind of a little cocoon and said this didn't yeah. really happen and you know I was trying to be strong for everybody else and I'm sure you've come across that as well where your family and friends around you were sort of kind of not wanting to address the subject not wanting to talk about it whatever and it's it's very difficult to sort of to, to have those conversations especially with the people that you love and so you end up kind of hiding hiding from it and it took me a long time to feel comfortable to uh, to talk about this the subject well if i can add so so there are two angles on that you had for example in my case as well like any trauma i actually had to speak to the people who wanted to help me i had to take my it's called a frame of reference which is uh, mental health training and I had to understand that they, it wasn't that they didn't want to talk to me, but it was because they didn't know how. Yeah. They wanted to speak, but they didn't know how. So I had to encourage them and even be specific, like, please, can you get this for me? Or please, can we talk about this? Please, can you help this person? I'm looking for ways, you know, bring me a cake versus can you please look after my, my kids? So that's one way. And the other way is also when you are actually... Um, listening to someone it's a real skill to listen and so sometimes you don't have to have the answer i spoke to someone today actually who had a spoke to someone across the road who went through a mental health illness a little trauma himself 
he actually um, sort of uh, sort of has has massive anxiety. And my friend came up to me and said, "What well, did I? You know, was explaining something. I was thinking, do I have to say something? Did I? You know, did I have to say something more, more, more? And just the fact of just speaking, but very lightly, was a way to help this individual get calm, avoid a panic attack. Yeah. You know, not interfere." And speaking, obviously, is a two-way conversation, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you ever found that sort of people were, I think it found it difficult to know how to, exactly as you say, know how to speak to you about it. So they would they would just, they wouldn't speak to you about it. Or what I found as well, that other people were going through their own traumas, but somehow they thought mine was worse, or that, you know, theirs wasn't, worth talking about because of what I'd been through and actually I found that more difficult I found it more difficult to sort of say to friends that were going through whether it was divorce whether it you know any kind of trauma that they were going through that they were frightened to speak to me because of that and I think what you do is amazing because you're giving people the tools to actually be able to open up and speak about these things that, that that are kind of stigmatized whether it's mental health whether it's cancer you know any of those things so how do you how do you how do you go into how do you go into companies and how how did that start for you well like mental health and like our own passions we and experience we all have our own paths and what I'm, the, the key thing is to understand where people are some companies say to me we're doing this stuff already patrick can you give a one hour slot um, about what you're doing you know on a specific theme it could be social media um, addiction it could be um, managing stress it could be helping others etc or it could be building a program for example people say I don't even know what the word mental health means a good question to ask and I'll ask your listeners is we don't have to go into uh, to answers but the, the main thing is is mental health a positive statement a neutral statement or a negative statement and there's only one answer and I can come back to that. But it's a positive, neutral, and negative. And some companies are like, uh, they get a whole range of it. And of course, that is a starter point, a very sort of, uh, um, you know, a, a different angle to companies who necessarily have a set piece in place. So I talk to them to understand what they're doing. And it's like, um, of course, when you speak, you've got to speak with knowledge to get the authority to get to be the honest as well. I mean, the, I remember the best speakers are the ones who are honest as well, who don't necessarily aren't, I, I, who guide and inspire the best speakers, aren't they? They're not saying yeah. do this, they're just saying yeah. it's your choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, if we've got anybody out there that would like to ask a question, then please do post questions in, in the comments there and we'll, we'll answer them. But I'd like to ask Patrick how, how you, what speakers you are um listening to what what speakers are you um sort of are on your sort of radar as good speakers mm. so there's a balance interestingly the, the one i like at the moment he's called he's an american called andrew huberman and he has his own podcast and he's a stanford university expert and what I like is that he, he's very humble, but he has so much knowledge and he does podcasts like you kindly are doing, you know, and I can see definitely the traits as well that you both have in the way that he asks a question, he's very honest, but, and, and, and gets, when he does interviews with people to talk, 
and to share in the right way, like stories. We thrive on stories, don't we? Absolutely. And he does it in a, in a right way to, to do that. So Andrew Huberman, he talks about science and actually a, in, in a knowledgeable way. So I would recommend listening to him. And he talks about tips like nutrition, exercise, all these things, but in a scientific way, which can validate, as, in, as opposed to us saying now, get up and go for a run. Now he's talked about the science, about the, the biology. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, were you ever trained as a speaker? How did how how do you how did you start actually getting on in front of an audience? I think behind it, I had a purpose. Sometimes when I was told to stand up, I mean, I did speak to lots of people when I was in my marketing role. I ran a team of forty people. Um, had to you know do regular meetings, but it wasn't the same as. Um, actually, I spoke to a lovely lady who I, who I call a healer, and she's actually like a, a form of therapist. And she said to me, when I was talking about my life story, like I was adopted, I started talking, and then I um, ran a, sort of a, in an organization, an agency, got bigger, 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 and I kept wanting to change. She said, I think the reason is that you want to talk. So I found this through my experience. And of course, one of the things about getting older is that we build this understanding of ourselves and we learn and it gives us confidence. And of course, when we have a passion to talk and sometimes becomes more motivated, I'm a lay preacher as well. And again, that's kind of using my skills, my passion and what I say, yeah. my gift to be able to promote and talk. Yes. Like I yourself, I saw yourself. I mean, when you're learning, when you look back, I'm sure you find moments when you're like, oh yes, that's where... Well, yes, I just, I literally, I literally have just written a blog called My Penny Drop Moment because it, it was, it was yeah. that, you know, I was, I was performing in playgrounds when I was at school and making up plays and, and doing all sorts of stuff. So there's, there's definitely a performer in me that's been there since childhood. And I just wonder whether, I mean, you said you were adopted and, and I know that you were adopted from, from Colombia. Yeah, and, I mean, that's an incredible story because you, you, you went back to, to see where, where you were born yes, How, how that, yeah. I mean and then it all comes back to storytelling doesn't it so tell us a little bit about that thanks and thank you we're all yeah we're all part of a story um so I was adopted when I was a very young age thankfully and my my parents have um have always been in touch with them and contributed with a card every year and um I, I always was very privileged, but also very, you know, as when I go into places, I can play the the, uh, the darker skin uh, kind of a role. But then when I talk, everyone, like your listeners, I'm sure you can tell, I don't sound very Colombian. But it was, it's always been a lovely part of my life. And again, this is where trust and sharing come into play. And speaking about certain things, like my mother always told me I was adopted. So thankfully, I was able to mention it. And when people said to me, your father looks different, your mother looks different to you, what, what, how could that happen? And I would say, my mother's tummy didn't work. Done. That trust was immediately gone and people trusted me for my honesty. It was quite innocent, wasn't it? Yeah. But again, yeah. as I grow older, I really feel I've got a young family. I've got three kids. My daughter even tells me, Patrick, you're, no, daddy, you're... You know, you your your mother who lives near us, my grandmother. She's not your mother. And I'm like, well, it's a new, and, and that's why speaking is so important. To you get different viewpoints. 
Yeah. And it's real. You've got to accept in some ways, not just keep it in here, your mind. And again, that goes back to the mental health angle. Sharing yeah. gets new perspectives, gives you time and does take away stress. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking for, to um, an American coach called Mark England for my podcast. Was that came out this week, funnily enough. And uh, he was talking about story hoarding, how we store, uh, how we hoard stories from our past. Mm. And they're all kind of here, disorganized yes. in our heads. And, and he, you know, absolutely recommends you get it out of your head onto a piece of paper. And then once it's out, it's got an end. Whereas in your head, it is, it's just kind of continues. And yeah. so there's no ending because you yeah. just replay it and replay it and replay it. Whereas if you get it out, put it onto a piece of paper, which I've done myself. And I've found it very, very therapeutic to actually write. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's that for me. Is a, is a way of doing it. And that story hoarding makes sense to me. Exactly, exactly. We, we've got something called cognitive diagnosis as in disorders, and it's quite normal. There are 12, I'm gonna fingers. But the idea is that you, it's quite normal to have it, but it's something that Mental Health First Aid England just, just explain. And for example, mine, and, and I've still got it. I have my scans every three months. So I have a bit of scansitis. And but even sharing and speaking to the oncologist and speaking to the nurses helped me. But for example, my you know, I have a very slight uh, disorder, and when I, it's disorder is such a strong word, isn't it? But when you share it, when you speak about it, it puts it into perspective. And uh, for example, my mind magnifies suddenly out of nowhere, it will magnify a situation like oh, you're a dad. And of course, as you said just now, Jackie, if you keep it in your mind, then your mind's trying to translate it. And that's not fair because we're built to be social. We're built to share, to support each other. There's a two sides of our uh, behavior. One is defensive, which is quite normal, like stress. That's, that's normal. And the other one is called pro-social, supporting each other. And that's why the very famous fact we beat up uh, animals that were bigger and stronger than us, which were called Neanderthals. But we could socialize together. So it's an interesting play on the need and how we're built to share stories, to talk about, and like gossip. Gossip yes. has evolved because as a way tribally to get people just to stay in our tribal, go away. That's where gossip comes from. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we all we all like a we like a story. <laughs> we like a bit of drama. We like a story. We like humor. And it's all wrapped up in that storytelling yeah. side of us. Uh, audience out there do please ask questions if you if you have anything if you're if you're yeah. out there listening if you're watching the replay again put any questions you might have in the comments and we will certainly get back to you um let's go going back to the stories though mm. a question i often get when i'm working with clients is how how vulnerable how much should you share as a speaker i mean if if i'm working with somebody and we're putting together a signature talk a talk that is is yes. is ultimately them it's it's about them it's about their journey about their their kind of story but it's relevant to their audience so they need to share it how do you deal with the vulnerable side of things because obviously what you're sharing and and when you're speaking to people and you're in rooms talking to an audience there's there's some very sort of vulnerable stories that are coming from yourself but also yes. you're asking people to be quite vulnerable yes so how much um, do you think people should share i think it's a good start to ask you yourself that question and of course it's the context 
when you um, are talking, it's a scenario that you're in. Are you talking to help others? Are you giving advice? Are you selling something? And I think it depends on the context you're trying to do. And of course, the more uh, trustworthy you are with the subject, the more confident you can be about that. And of course, in the mental health side, there is the irony that vulnerability is something where you can prom you can promote because it's normal to be vulnerable. That's how we're made. But it's what it's actually prepping. And I'm sure the yeah the good speakers. It's a balance, isn't it, Jackie, between prepping, but not doing too much. So, for example, if I talk and you know I, I had to give a workshop to a sort of bigger financial brand. I've actually in church, you prep, but not too much because it needs to be more authentic. And, you know, it's a bit of acting, isn't it? But at the same time, under a controlled environment and thought. So I would say it's, it's good to start with that question. What will drive me? What, what are the things that might trigger me, you know, to, to react and not the way that I want to react? Um, and, of course, prepping with someone there, maybe a dual conversation as well. Um, and be aware of it. I think, yeah, it's good to ask yourself that question. You know, but vulnerable can be, you know, writing it down as well, like a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So I've got something to back up. It gives you confidence, not letting your mind just manage it all again, that speaking yeah. with someone before, that irony there. Yeah. So what's the, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given as a speaker? Have you ever had any advice as a speaker? If it's, it, it doesn't sound like you, it was something that you, was, you, were, you were trained for, it was just something that happened. But have you ever mm. been given any good advice that you could pass on? I would defer back to the, so one of the ones under the tips I did give just now is about prepping. When you prep, you put together just a very light agenda. The words you can come back to, um, for example, I play the piano. Um, I haven't been asked to go to the Royal Abbott Hall yet. If anyone wants me to, I can. Um, I can't guarantee I'll hit every note. But it's prepping. And that's your classic thing, to be in a scenario. Where, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's like speaking in some ways, that you're in a moment. Your fingers are doing things like your mouth is doing something. And it's just so natural. You're not thinking, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that. You literally... But prepping helps you get into that mode. And then, but at the same time, you want to have some space to be able to react to any questions or any comments that go from there. So um, versus, for example, going to see an oncologist who you just got to try your best just to not interrupt, let them talk as well. For example, yeah. with your children, try not to tell them or other members yeah. of the family too quiet. No, listening. I mean, listening is a big part of, of speaking as well, isn't it? When you, you know, I always sort of say to people, well, it's it's not about you when you're on a stage talking to your audience. It's about the audience. You know, you're only there at, to impart the knowledge. Hmm. And as you say, as long as most people have so much knowledge in their head that they feel they have to get it all out. You know, they've yeah. got 20 minutes to do this this yes just talk and they think well i need to fit everything in i'll get everything yeah. in and as you say they don't give them themselves enough space yeah. to actually 
improvise, have fun, relax, you know, they, because they've got so much in their heads that they, they want to get out. Yeah. It's the whole, the whole point of a talk for me, and I'm sure you find as well, because obviously you want people to ask questions, is that all you're doing is you're opening up that conversation. So you're yes. giving some knowledge, you are, you know, you, it's, it's all there in your head. We all have that, especially when you get to, to our age, we all have that, so much knowledge in our heads that actually just giving yourself space to listen to the audience, to actually think of it as a two-way, even though the, the audience might not be asking yeah. you questions in that moment, yeah. you, you have to imagine it as a conversation. Because it's not, about, it's not just about you talking. It's about you sort of reading the room and listening to the audience. Exactly. It goes back to that stories as well. And in some ways, when you're talking to someone, you're building a story, aren't you, with that yeah. relationship? I mean, I mean, that's core, is it? When you're speaking, you're building relationships with the viewers. Like, yeah. I hope, we'll, you know, we've built relationships where we met before, as well as, you know, hopefully some, some of the viewers here. You're building yeah. relationships, but listening is really important. Obviously, the listeners who do the pre-recording, you won't be able to interrupt, <laughs> but you get the idea. Yes. The listening is, again, like we were saying, speaking tips, speaking training. was I was never taught how to do it, except when I spoke Spanish, but, you know, learn Spanish. But listening is an amazing tool and a, uh, an amazing stat that uh, some research from Mental Health First in English, you know, you use your listening skills. 42% of your time. But generally, we've only been given under half a year learning at school how to listen. Yeah. So it's a really good skill to learn commercially as well as mentally, as well as speaking. You know what I mean? Those pauses. If you get those pauses right, Jackie, you know, yeah. you get some really good, good insight. You know, I mean, yeah. of course, there's that very infamous story about Hitler. Hitler used to pause a lot to get the crowds going, you know, and it's it just, it, it's a skill that can be used and, and, you know, different things are other things like summarizing, asking questions as well as, it's, it's a skill to, to speak. Yeah. And I think what I've seen you do is, 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 is brilliant. I think it's a really lifetime. I'm sure you've, I mean, have you had a, learning skills since you started um no you, I mean you're talking there I did a coaching course during I mean obviously I'm from an acting background so the training that I have as an actor mm. is what I've brought forward into the work that I do now but in between time I did a coaching course and actually um through the coaching there is that where you, where you just listen you ask a question and then you wait for the answer. And sometimes it's really, really awkward. That pause is awkward. But actually, in that moment, it, the, the, the brain is, is ticking over and, and the answer comes, comes to you. But you have to, mm. you have to put in those pauses. And it's the same when you're doing a talk, when you're stood on stage, is make sure you allow the audience enough time to take in what it is that you've asked or what it is that you've said because it does it takes our brains a while to to really catch up and and listen yeah. yes and if you're giving too much information it's it's uh, it's just overload and mm. and so much of it will get lost so you could kind of take out half of your content yeah. uh, and give a handout that's what i say it's like put all that stuff on a handout you don't need yeah. to put it in there just you know make sure that you you shape that talk and you you especially when you're doing something like you do when it's it's um 
it's, it's stigmatized. It's people yes. don't know how to talk about it. They, they're not sure. It's, mm. you know, you need to give them time to sort of really, really think about it. Well, I do a training course and one of the goals I said at the beginning, which is under an accredited national company called, you know, I think I mentioned before, Mental Health First Aid England. And you're training someone to do mental health first aid and not just physical, but how you talk. And of course, you, you dive in. It's very full on, two days full on understanding what is mental health and what are the sort of challenges and issues and uh, illnesses. But afterwards, literally, I, I've been there in the end and I'm exhausted, but I've done my training about it. People haven't done it and then they're learning and then it's, it's exhausting. So we have to reenact you know, scenarios of talking to someone who's got a mental illness. And it's that patience, it's that pause. I mean, pausing is important when you're talking. I try and yeah. use that. But you've got to, like, again, the classic speaking role is you've got to fit it all in, isn't it? That's a skill. That is a you skill. Can, you can have, if you have loads of time, easy. You know, I've, I've had people saying mid-meeting, mid, mid got to go now, bye. <laughs> it's that balance. So I think, oh, I should have said 15 yeah. more words before. But it's not. Do you, do you have that? Just last question because we're coming up on our, on our 30 minutes. Yeah. But um, do you have a, a talk that that you've sort of honed that you fit into 10 minutes or you fit into 20 minutes or you fit into, I mean, do you have a, a core of what you speak about that you can adapt for different lengths of, of, of talk? I do. I have one, which is the, the sort of a starter because it's probably a bit of practice and I know I can sort of fast, you know, fast forward I'm on the old, you know, VHR set um, or jump on a CD to the, you know, song seven. Um, so, for example, it's about explaining what mental health is and giving definitions and then understanding the word stress, understanding the word stigmas. So those are ways where you can put it together to create that interest as well. Um, it's more of an education one to speak and then to manage that role. I mean, obviously, when I'm doing it with someone else, I need to be more flexible. So I would say that is the one that comes to mind about talking i mean obviously if it's about me and about you know what i have for breakfast uh, jackie then i think um, i find it very hard to um, bring it down to 10 minutes yes excellent oh well thank you so much for your time today patrick yeah. um anybody out there if you uh, would like to get in contact with either of us i have uh this is patrick this is um that's your linkedin is that exactly. correct? So That's a link profile where you can get my details and hear and read my podcasts. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to sort of book you for a, a speaking gig or a workshop or whatever, where's the best place to come and find you on LinkedIn or here I'd, on your? I'd say I mean I, either. I'd say um, LinkedIn. You can see there's my details, my contact details. That's my website. If you wanted to just check what I do, and I say just to summarize, I build programs. So I've evolved from just speaking now to I do research to understand what the, what the issues are in a different company. We discussed that earlier. Every company is different, like every person. Um, yeah. And then I do sort of articles and I can do lovely, if we like your invitation to actually podcast as well as other services. So as well as Mental First in England. So I'd love to chat, just have a chat as well. I get people talk to me about cancer as well. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, and for everybody out there, I look forward to seeing you next week. Next week, it's just me. You just get to uh, listen to me speaking. So if you've got any questions, I might ask in, in uh, some social media posts for questions for next week. So I look forward to seeing you then. And thank you very much for being here, Patrick. Thank you for having me, Jackie. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, for letting see you me. Soon.